I want to welcome you again to the continuation of your calling. Welcome to the third installment of our series, Till Memphis Looks Like Heaven. If you're new with us today, welcome. Maybe it's your first time to listen to this uh, series, listen to this podcast, watch on YouTube. I'm so grateful that you're here. We are on a journey, though. Got to let you know, we are in the middle of discovering together the calling that God has for you, has for me, has for all of us as people of faith. God has created us and called us and placed us here to work and watch over the here that he's placed us in. It just so happens to be that for the majority of us leaning in, the majority of us listening, that place is Memphis. And so our work, our aim, our ambition is to see the prayer of our Savior come to be, to see his kingdom come, his will be done right here on this earth, this place that God has placed us, called us to work and watch over, this place that he's called us to seek the welfare of, till Memphis looks like heaven. This is the calling for every single person that puts their faith in Jesus. This is our calling, not just to hang on and try to make it to the other side, no, 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 no. but to work here and now, to, to use all that we have here and now to see his kingdom come here. And so on our little journey, we've all been introduced to our calling. And we've also, in part two, discovered the significance and the power of the responsibility that is our words. That we will never see his kingdom come here if we use our words in a way that bring death instead of life. Because in your words are the power of life or death. But that's not the only responsibility that we have. See, we've begun our responsibility with our words, but today in this installment, in this installment of this series, I got to introduce you not just to the words that are your responsibility, but the work, the work. Come on, work, 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 work. Today, I want to challenge you among this thinking, this phrase, this title for my sermon. It's time to work the block. It's time to work the block. You see, his kingdom coming here, the kingdom of God being clear and evident and seen here requires us working here. Now, I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say it slow. Then I'm going to tell you why I got to say it slow. His kingdom coming here requires us working here. At some point along the way, people in America in particular have bought into this lie that um, we have it all together. And because we have it all together, that really the, the work we have to do is to go help, to go fix, to go evangelize, to go build somewhere else that the real work of God, the real work of the ministry, come on, the real work happens when you board a plane and go on a, what they call a quote unquote mission trip to go make a difference. In fact, some people even tell you that when you get your little matching t-shirt and your passport and you board a plane and you make it to South America, that now you're doing real 
work. Now, don't get it twisted. I love missionaries. I have the utmost respect for people that respond to the call of God on their life, on their family, and rather than live in these United States of America and take whatever jobs or do whatever work they might do and do so, so well, they literally um, pick up all their life, move to somewhere else in the world, and interweave who they are into the culture of another place. And they give 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40 years of their lives serving people in a place that is not their home. I have the greatest and utmost respect. In fact, I'm related to missionaries. I, I, I love missionaries. I love support and believe in mission work. But please hear me. You or me get on a little plane going on our mission trip, which is really just a sightseeing expedition, ain't changing the world. Furthermore, our elevation of these endeavors, while there's nothing wrong with them, our elevation of them, in my opinion, has called us in many spaces and places to forget our here. So that's why today I've come to incite and inspire and initiate a group of workers. I didn't just come to preach a sermon today. No, 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 no. I came to find workers who want to be about the will of God and the work of God right here and right now. Jesus told us to pray for his kingdom to come here. And he also said, the harvest is ready. But he said, when I looked around for workers, I didn't find enough. I think the same sentiment could be said and be true of us here and now today. There's a harvest in our neighborhood. There's a harvest ready in our city. There are people who need God. There are people who need to see that God sees them and knows them and cares for them. But some of us have our eyes set on somewhere else. So we step over and overlook the people right here in the neighborhood. We have work to do, friends. And today, I believe it is time to get to work. The interesting thing is in this work, some people just want to pray. Talk about God, bless them. God, work it out. God, if oh, you would take care of these children of yours. God, heal our land. And there are other people who just want to work. Don't want to ever lean into God, don't believe that the battle that we're fighting is more than just flesh and blood. They just want to do work, and uh, the truth is they're both wrong. See, today the people I'm trying to inspire, the, the people I'm trying to pull in to the, to the will of God for your life, today I'm trying to help people to step into responsibility that God has put on you. I need you to understand that we're to be people that pray like everything depends on God, and work like everything depends on us. Let's be like that. Let's be people who pray like everything depends on God. Because it does. Because if he don't put breath in your lungs, if he don't put vision in your heart, if he don't put resources in your hand to be able to use for his honor and glory, baby, we will never get his work done. Let's pray like everything depends on God. Because it does. And let's work 
like everything depends on us. Let's not wait for somebody else to come alongside of us. Let's not wait for a later generation, a later day. But let's be God's people in the city of God today who say we about to work till Memphis looks like heaven. See, if we're going to see Jesus' prayer be our reality, it's going to take us praying and working. Being about the work of prayer, but also praying for God to open doors and praying for God to use us and to give us strength and to give us tenacity to do the work on our block he's called us to do. If we're going to walk in the calling that he has for us, the calling to see his kingdom come here, his will be done here, we have to be people who understand the responsibility that comes from our words, but also the responsibility that comes from our work. And today, as a way of centering these next few moments, I want to take as a text one simple verse from the writer in Hebrews. The writer in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, gives us a clear, strong charge concerning this work. A clear picture that he paints of what it will take of us, but also what happens in us, through us, and in God's eyes as we become people who, who work the block. Verse 16 of Hebrews chapter 13 is recorded in this way. He says, do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. I mean, it's only one verse today. I think we can handle it another time. Can I? He says, do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. Why? Because with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Today, I really want to do two things in our time together. I want to begin by unpacking the, the truth and the principle and the, the, the wisdom of God from this simple verse. But then beyond that, I also want to open your mind and I want to open your heart to opportunities, doors that God is opening, doors that he's calling us to open work that he's calling us to do together to see his kingdom come here and now. So if you're ready, somebody in that chat, just go ahead and type by faith, maybe even I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. Because we're not going to forget to do good and to share with those in need because with such sacrifices, our God is pleased. Would you write down a few things today as we unpack and extrapolate truth from this verse? It says it this way in your notes. If you don't focus to do good, you'll forget to do good. I just want to regurgitate to you the truth of Hebrews 13, but in a way maybe that's a little more portable for you. If you don't focus to do good, you'll forget to do good. I don't know if you're like me, but I have to write everything down. Do you? Man, I'd be forgetting stuff. I'd be forgetting, every, so I literally write everything down. I have task, 
I have a task list. I have a calendar. And with their powers combined, like that helps me to know what it is I need to do. I have note taking devices to where I can brainstorm. I can I can extrapolate ideas, whether it's for whether it's for sermons and series or classes and lessons and groups and vision and direction and projects that we're trying to work on and, and strategy for. I, I write everything down. My calendar is full of nothing but meetings duties and priorities, and it is to remind me and to tell me what it is I need to do, who it is I need to be with, and when I need to be there. If you ever ask me and say, hey, Michael, is there any chance we could get together? I promise you, the first thing probably out of my mouth will be, I need to check my calendar. And it's not because I don't like you. <laughs> and it's not because I'm like, well, let me see if I got a little, uh, no, no, no. It's because I, I literally... <laughs> don't know what I've already committed myself to unless I look at the calendar. It's weird. I can remember all kind of crazy stuff so easily and forget my own schedule, forget my own calendar very easily. And so I'm always like, well, let me check, let me check the calendar. In fact, if I'm honest with you, I'm a little embarrassed by my calendar. I am. I'm embarrassed by it, not because it's not full, because that's, that's not true. I'm embarrassed by it because I'm embarrassed by some of the content that makes its way into my calendar. Things that you would think there'd be no way on earth he would forget. Like if, if Mindy and I uh, find some time where we can go out together, maybe go, maybe go see something, maybe go, go eat together, take some time just to have a date, you know? I put that in my calendar. Because if I don't put it in my calendar, I'll forget. And I'll book some goofy speaking engagement, book some, oh, I got to be over here doing this on top of it. Not because I don't love her, not because I don't want to go on a date, because I forget. When my son was younger um, and, and like always required parental supervision, uh, a lot of times Mindy would, would make up the, the difference in a lot of this, but there, there would be some times where that responsibility set on me. And she had a meeting or had something with her work or something with friends. And, and it was like, I needed to be responsible for the, I, I was a single parent for them four hours or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, so, and so I would have to put in my calendar, spend time with your son. Specifically, I called it Tucker time. And I would put Tucker time in my calendar because it was a reminder to me. I can't be I can't be staying late. I can't be going to visit them over here. I can't be handling this project. No, I cannot come to your meeting because I have something I have to do. And if I don't put it there, it doesn't mean I don't I don't love my son. No, no, no. It's because I do love my son that I write it down. Otherwise, I will forget. Can I tell you, I think that's the issue for many of us when it concerns doing the good that God would have for us to do, it's not that you don't want to do good. It's that you forget. It's not that you don't have place in your heart to say, I really want to make a difference. I really want to help. I really want to, I really want to do this good. But what happens is life gets busy, man. What happens is you just get tired, man. It's been a long week. Other priorities seem to kind of crowd themselves into what's going on. And the next thing you know, it's been six months since you served anybody in any way that wasn't you or yours or for your own benefits. And you look up and you're like, what has happened to me? You forgot. You forgot 
to do good. What's happened to you is not that you transformed into some terrible person. What happened to you is that all of a sudden, everything else, the cares of this life, squeezed out your ability to remember to do good. That's why, friend, today, the writer in Hebrews and myself want to implore you that if you don't focus to do good, you'll forget to do good. You got to focus so that when that season comes, you'll still do good. You see, that season, oh yeah, we all have that season. I don't know what it is for you. For some people, that season is travel season. They have a season of their life, a season of the year where they're just gone a lot. Maybe it's for work. Maybe it's for fun. I don't know. But it's travel season. And it's very easy to get preoccupied with all your plans and priorities in travel season. And the next thing you know, you look up and you have forgotten to do good because you were consumed with all the worries of travel season. For some people, it's football season. You'd be amazed the people who want to want to serve on a Saturday or a Sunday when it's not football season, who ain't got, they're just a little busy concerning football season. And really, maybe you just forgot to do good. Or when you hit your busy season, you know, everybody has busy season. Young people, old people, uh, man, married people, single people, retired people, people working three jobs. Everybody got busy season. Man, everybody, everybody's. And what will happen is you'll find yourself in a busy season and it'll just be busy, 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 busy for you. And if you don't commit to remember, what will happen is you'll forget. And if you don't focus to do good, you'll allow the season to define the output for you, the outcome for you, and you won't do good. Don't blame not doing good on the season that you're in. Focus to do good. He says, do not forget to do good. But he also says, do not forget to share with those in need. Would you write this down today? If you don't commit to share, you'll forget to share. See, the truth is, if you don't make a commitment, even here and now, to share, you will forget, not because you're a bad person, you'll just forget to share. Because we live in a world inundated with messaging telling us we better get all we can for ourselves. And in this day, in this age, in this environment, sharing is a commitment. Because what happens is, if you or I don't commit to share, then we consume it all. I don't know if you ever um, eat with somebody and you all decide, rather than like you get a plate, I get a plate, we're going to get a couple plates for the table and we're just going to share this. Whenever me and Mindy do get to go on one of those dates I was referencing earlier, um, one of the ways that we like to eat is to get a few different things and just share them. We may not even get like entrees. We may just get a couple of appetizers and share so we can try different things. But while I think this is very, very easy for her to do, for me, whenever we decide to eat this way, I have to put on my thinking cap, as they would say. Like I have to be very, very, very focused that like, okay, we got these things. And regardless of how much I like any one thing, ain't none of these things all mine. 
Like, I need like some mile markers along the meal. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, all right, rotate, all right, move. That ain't you, you already had two of the three there, and she ain't even had one. So, like, I need these warnings along the way. So I have to remind myself, we, we are sharing this food. This ain't all mine. Otherwise, I'll eat it all and she'll be over there starving. And it's like, this is not how this was supposed to work. It has to be a commitment. A front, a commitment to share. Otherwise, you will consume it all. Can I tell you the same thing is true in your own life? That you will consume the entirety of whatever you haven't committed to share with priority. You will consume the entirety of whatever you haven't committed to share with priority. You'll consume all your time if you don't decide in advance to share it. You will. You'll allow busyness and priority and advancement and rest and whatever you want to call it to consume all your time. And somebody will say, you ought to serve with us. You'll hear a sermon like this where in a few moments, I'm going to begin to share vision for work that we're going to do. And some of you are going to need to step into this work. But some of you are going to push back and say, man, you know, I don't, I don't really have the time. No, 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 you do. You're just consuming all the time that you have. Because here's the revelation I need to go off in your mind and in your heart today. There are people with less time than you sharing it consistently. Sometimes we think we're so unique and we're so individualized and ain't nobody busy like me and ain't nobody trying to be a single parent and ain't nobody trying to run their own business like me and ain't nobody trying to navigate multiple jobs. There ain't nobody trying to go to school full-time and be, and be working full-time. Ain't nobody busy. Like, ain't nobody trying to raise these kids. Like, man, nobody understands. Hear me. Yes, they do. There are people who serve consistently who have less time than you do. They have just made a commitment that they're not going to consume all the time that they have, that's why you find them with time to give. You'll consume all your resources saying, I can't afford to give. I can't afford to share. I can't afford to be a blessing. I can't afford to have a consistent plan, strategy for how I'm going to fuel the work of the ministry through the local church. I can't afford it. You'll consume all your resources unless you commit up front. But what I need you to know today is that there are people right now who give faithfully, who have far less resources than you do. There are people on fixed incomes who say, I'm going to prioritize God. Uh, there are people who on a, on, a, on a single income are trying to care for an entire family and they make giving a priority. There are people who have far less, who make half what you make, but they prioritize giving because they made a commitment. I'm not going to consume all my resources. So you've got to understand that sharing, like the writer in Hebrews talks about, is a commitment before it becomes your character. 
It doesn't get woven into the fabric of who you are until it becomes a commitment that you follow through on and walk out week after week, month after month, year after year, in all these veins and frames of life. Do not forget, he said, to do good and to share with those in need. But then he makes two rather important and I believe helpful and encouraging statements on the second half of this statement, he says. He tells us this first, and you can write it down. He says, this work is sacrifice to you. That's what he says. This work is sacrifice. You do not forget to do good and to share with those in need. For with such sacrifices, I love this little note from the writer of Hebrews. Because he calls it what it is. Like he's not trying to hide. He's not trying to pull a punch with you. He calls it what it is. You know, sometimes people be trying to get you involved or maybe you try to get other people involved in things. And they talk about how it's not going to really be all that hard. And it's not really going to cost you all that much. And it's not really going to take very much time. I bet you could probably figure out how to squeeze it in. And they know good and doggone well what they are asking you to do is about to take over your whole life. Like you ain't about to have two spare seconds to rub together if you fully follow what they're asking you to do. I love the authenticity and the forthrightness of the writer of Hebrews because he ain't doing that. He says doing good and sharing with others, please don't get it twisted. He says it is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. Doing good and sharing with others, it is a sacrifice. The interesting thing is, is you and I, we are willing to sacrifice for what matters to us, right? I mean, we all are. In fact, sacrifice to some people sounds like this totally terrible and, and kind of word. Like, don't talk about sacrifice, but yet... Every single one of us in some frame and space in our lives, we sacrifice and we don't even view it as a sacrifice, even though it is because it matters to us. There are people who wake up at four or five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym and work out before they ever go to their job. They do this four or five, six days a week. They don't even think of it as a sacrifice because it matters to them. But for those of us who don't go to the gym at 4 or 5 or 6 or a.m. or p.m. or on a Monday or a Saturday or any day, sound like a sacrifice, don't it? There are people who eat cup of noodles every single day for lunch and sometimes for dinner because they have priorities in their life they're trying to make available to their children. And because of what they want to provide for their children, they say, look, I'll, I'll eat this 19 cent cup of noodles so that I could take this money and use it to help him, use it to help her, use it so she can have something that I didn't get to have, use it so he can have something I didn't get to have. I want him to be able to go on that trip. I want her to be able to have that experience. So I'm willing to sacrifice. And other people look at you and they say it's a sacrifice, but it doesn't feel that way to you because you want to. There are people who drive cars that, man, sometimes they drive and sometimes they don't. 
They'd be out there praying over their car every time before it goes. But they do that because they're trying to save money in other ways. They do that because maybe they're trying to, they like to eat out. And they're like, look, I'll drive a raggedy car as long as I can be, you know, going out three, four, five nights a week. Because that's a priority to me. And some people, they see what they drive and they go, oh, look at this sacrifice. And they're like, it is not a sacrifice. It doesn't feel like it. Because the end result of the sacrifice matters to you. The work of God that he wants to do through us and is doing through us is a calling for you and a calling for me to sacrifice. I'm not going to be the type of dude that tries to pull punches with you. I'm not the guy that's going to talk about, it ain't going to take that much time. No, listen to me. The work God's called us to will take time. The work God calls us to, that we do and will do more of, it costs money. It's expensive. The, the work God calls us to, it requires planning. It will require greater dedication for people who already serve. And it will require great dedication for people who've never served a day in their life. We're going to sweat and we're going to work. And we're going to have times where we do it even though we don't want to do it. Where we, where we give even though like, I don't know if I really want to give this and stuff. It's going to require sacrifice from us. So why do it then, right? Like, why do it then? Well, the writer tells us. Do not forget to do good and share with those in need. For with such sacrifices, here it is, God is pleased. Today, friend, I want you to know that the work, yes, it is a sacrifice to you, but the work is pleasing to God. The work, the sacrifice, the sharing, the not forgetting, the giving up so that they, the work is pleasing to God. Isn't that what you want? I know that's what I want. I want to please God. That's why I told you this calling isn't just to some civic humanitarian, I think our city should be great, although that can be woven into everything we're doing. This is the call of God to those of us who he's placed here and now to work and watch over the place he's called us to. The place that we are to seek the prosperity of. This work, man, this work is pleasing to God. You know, at the end of the day, I want to take whatever God has entrusted to me. Whatever gifts, talents, resources, abilities, connections, energy, perspective, whatever it is he's entrusted to me. And I want to use it all for his honor for his glory and the good of people all around me. And Hebrews 13 tells me that when I do this, when you do this, when you do not forget to do good and share with those in need, that yes, it will be a sacrifice from you, but this sacrifice from you of, of not forgetting and sharing with others is pleasing to God. It's like God 
gives up from his throne and peers over the banister of heaven. And he looks down and he smiles when he sees his kids doing work, doing this kind of work. It's like he calls some angels and says, look at them right there. They all sweaty happen. That makes me proud. I love how they gave up a Saturday morning to bless somebody they don't even know, to bless somebody that don't even put their trust in me. I love how they are, are willing to give and to share and to go. Look at them over there. Seeing them do that work. Ain't no news trucks around. Ain't, no, ain't nobody trying to have a big story made of them. They're just out there faithfully serving me by serving my children. They're, they're, they're faithfully caring for those in need. That sacrifice is good. Look at her back there. She's choosing to fund more ministry rather than to fund her next handbag. That pleases me. I believe that when you and I do this work, when we don't forget to do good, when we don't forget to share with others, that yes, it's a sacrifice from us, but it pleases the heart of our God. It puts a smile on his face that I think sometimes all of our singing and all of our pomp and circumstance will never do because he sees his children doing the thing that he wrote in his word definitely pleases him. This work, it pleases God. And yes, it takes place individually through individuals, but collectively when we live this out, we can make a big difference. We do make a big difference. We are making a big difference. And today, friend, I believe God is calling us to make an even bigger difference. You know, since our church began, we've been committed to serving. We've been committed to sharing. We have crazily given, sacrificially given. We have consistently served. And I'm not here to tell you that we about to back down. I'm here to tell you we about to step it up because we cannot forget to do good and to share with others because with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Can I tell you the work that we do collectively matters to God. It matters in our city. And if our city is ever going to see his vision come to be, his kingdom come here. His will be done here. We have to seek the prosperity of our city till Memphis looks like heaven. And it's going to require our words, but it's going to necessitate our work. And so I want to take a few moments today and I want to share with you how believing is working till Memphis looks like heaven. I want to share with you some updates on some ways that we serve. But also I wanna share with you some vision and some opportunities that we are stepping into and prayerfully asking God to, to that if this really is what he has called us to, to, to supply and show us fully. And so you can write these down because I've got them as write downs in your notes because I want you to understand uh, so, so some, some opportunities that are coming up. If you're ready, somebody in the chat, say, I'm ready. How are we working? 
to serve, to bless, to give, to share, till Memphis comes like, till Memphis looks like heaven. We are reimagining our grocery distributions. We are reimagining grocery distributions. You know, we have been committed to fighting food insecurity in the neighborhoods that we are in, the neighborhoods in our city. We're not committed to a method. We are committed to taking one of the hungriest cities in our country and one of the hungriest zip codes in that city in changing the story here. And we have been, we are, and we will continue to be. That is our vision in this endeavor. And if you have a vision that requires a destination and transportation to that destination, the destination really is the vision and the transportation really is the method to get to that vision. So if I were to tell you, listen, I have a vision for us to, to enjoy something together, and we're going we to go to Paris together. I mean, we're we going to go to going to see the Olympics together. I ain't talking about Paris, Texas. I'm talking about Paris, Francais. You know, and we're going we gonna to sip good coffee, and we're going to eat good food, and we're going to enjoy the Olympics together. I have a vision for it, and I have a plan to get us there. Right outside, there is an all-black 2024 Cadillac Escalade for us to get there in. And those of us who are going, we're going to pile up in this Escalade, and we're going to be excited. And we're going to make some ground, and we're going to drive to the east. We're going to drive to the east and get our way a little north, and we're going to keep driving. Oh, we're going to have a great time. And oh, we're going to have so many memories and so many little pit stops, and we're going to look good doing it because we're in a black-on-black-on-black -black -black Escalade. Like, it's going to be wonderful. But at some point... If we keep driving east, keep trying to line ourselves up to get to Paris, France, we are going to run into a body of water known as the Atlantic Ocean. And I don't know if you know anything about Escalades, but at least in this year of 2024, the Escalade ain't got no way to go through that water. Like, like it can look at it, it can get a little bit in the water, but you ain't getting from the East Coast across to mainland Europe in that Escalade. Now, at that point, we have a decision to make because we've loved our journey from here to there. And we can either say, you know what? I've loved being in this Escalade so much that I don't even want to go to Paris. Let's go to Paris, Texas. We still went to Paris. And sometimes that's what people do. Sometimes people change the vision based on the method they were using to get them to the vision. Or we can decide collectively, you know what? This method has served us well to here, but we have a vision. We have a destination we are called to get to. And so now it's time to change vehicles. And so I'm going to take my little Escalade over to the airport, and we're going to hop in a plane, and we're going to fly our butt to Paris. And the, and the plane won't feel like the Escalade, and it won't feel like, like there's, a, there's a difference between driving in this Escalade and flying on this plane. But if we were ever going to get to the place we were called to get to, if we're ever going to get, some of y'all don't even hear what I'm preaching, if we're ever going to get to the vision God has for us, at some point we have to be more committed to the vision than we are the method that we were using to get 
to the vision. How is believing working? To do more, we are reimagining our grocery distribution. What do I mean? I mean, right now, we are stepping out the Escalade, and it's time to board the plane. See, we have, since we moved into this facility almost four years ago, been committed to serving the needs that were right around us in tangible ways. Through the pandemic, man, we served food every single day. Food to kids, food to families. Every We weren't even having services in here because people were safer at home. But we were opening up our facility for kids to go to school virtually and feeding them and their families and people in the community daily. Out of that, we began doing our grocery drive-throughs and serving people food in a drive-through fashion on Saturdays. Out of that, we also began to serve uh, meals after school in a drive-up fashion. Five days a week, every single month of the year. For years, we did this. And it has served us well. But we have a vision. And so now it's time to change planes. It's time to change vehicles. And now, I want to introduce you to that new vehicle. Starting in March, we will begin what we are calling grocery pickups. What's that mean? That means that like we have been doing, we will continue to serve hundreds of families, thousands of pounds of fresh free groceries every single month. But rather than do it in a drive-up fashion where there is this very, very long line and people sit in line, some of them for hours on end, in the hopes to get food, we are going to change all of that to serve them even better. And our grocery pickups without getting into the weeds are going to be an opportunity for us to have people register in advance so we know who we're serving before they ever get here on Saturday morning. And we will give them essentially a time slot, like you do if you use a, a click list at Kroger or something, to go and pick up their groceries, which enables us then to serve people in a more dignified way, in a more blessed way, to be able to carry groceries to their car. They just pull up, check in, we load them up, get them out of here. It doesn't take all morning for them. It doesn't take half a day. They don't have to come in the middle of the night and sleep in their car. Not for us, because we've changed Methods. We have a pre-registration that will open about a week in advance. It will enable us to serve people that are near to us even better, people in our church community better, people in our neighborhood better, and not to mention people in general better through this. We believe we can serve more, and we can serve better. And so starting in March, our grocery drive throughs will no longer exist, but our grocery pickup will step immediately into their place. Which leads us to the second thing that we're doing. Not only are we reimagining grocery distributions, but we are going to be doubling grocery distributions. You say, what? Yes. See, we have a limit when it concerns the way we do our grocery drive-thrus, a limit in the amount of people we can serve, and a limit in the amount of times that we can even do that. Pickups will be a totally different reality. You see, the need is great in our community. Some of you don't know this, but for the better part of the last nine months, we have actually had to close the line to our grocery drive-thrus 
30 to 90 minutes before we actually can start serving the people in line. That speaks to how great the need is around us. And so doubling our grocery distribution is necessary, but doing it in a way to where we can serve more people, not just serve the same people more, is significant. And pickups will enable us to do that. Because since everybody pre-registers, we can make sure everyone knows, hey, we can serve you through pickups once every 30 days. So that way, when we double our grocery pickups come June of this year, we will actually be able to serve double the amount of families, double the amount of households, double the amount of children, double the amount of seniors, double the amount of people who need this blessing, who need this service. You know, changing vehicles enables us to even spread the love in a wider fashion. So we are reimagining our grocery distributions and grocery drive-thrus are becoming grocery pickups. And we will be doubling our grocery distributions that as of June of this year, on the second and fourth Saturday every month, we will be blessing our community with groceries. But it also gives us another opportunity I'd love for you to write down. It enables us to serve the overlooked. Serve the overlooked. We get calls constantly about the work that we do, being able to serve people. I could literally stand up here and make my sermon every week telling you about the needs that get called. There are that many. I could fill 40, 50, 60, 70 minutes just telling you story after story, name after name, need after need. It is that many, and, and that wouldn't even really begin to scratch the surface. One of the needs that we regularly and constantly hear that breaks my heart, that we just simply have no means now of being able to serve, are those who don't have the ability to come to a grocery drive through or pickup. People who don't have transportation, don't have reliable transportation, who um, maybe have transportation, but they're caring for a loved one who is unable to be transported anywhere or any way, and they can't leave them. They're the only caretaker for them. Some of you think those are one-off things. Can I tell you, there have to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people that this is their reality because of the volume of calls that we get that speak to this need. And one of the things I'm hopeful for one of the things that there is literally nobody in the city, to my knowledge, doing this, is that doing pickups this way would enable us, as we build the infrastructure to do it, to potentially be able to start delivering groceries to people in these situations. To be able to, when there is a real need like that, and somebody really doesn't have transportation, really can't leave the house, that we can go be the hands and feet of Jesus who do not overlook because it's convenient to overlook, who do not overlook because it's easy to say this is against the rule, but we build the infrastructure to be able to serve maybe not everybody, but somebody. And see, we will not allow our inability to serve everybody to prevent us from serving somebody. And so right now we are praying and we are working not only for this endeavor, but for other endeavors, some of which I'm about to even share with you. 
We're looking for a pickup truck that can help us serve this. We're looking for a box truck that can help us serve this need that could be used by the church day in, day out, week in, week out to be a blessing to our city. And part of that is to be able to serve these overlooked. And I believe by the grace of God, we're going to find them, buy them. He'll provide us for free. I don't know, but I believe he's going to come through. Amen. The next thing. We are creating bigger parties and paloozas. In 2023, we had an incredible year of parties and paloozas. We had an incredible year of opening our doors to our community in ways that were free and fun. From our Easter party to our movie nights to Christmas palooza and on and on from there. Anytime we created something for people just to come and hang out, the response was tremendous which means this year we need to enlarge our capacity. We're working right now on our Easter party. It's gonna take place on the Saturday before Easter. And we are working and planning and preparing to make sure we can serve even more people well through this party. Not only that, we are working right now when it concerns Christmas Palooza to be able to expand our capacity there. See, this last year we served 2,000 kids, more than 5,000 toys at Christmas. It's amazing. We had many sponsors come alongside of us to help us do it. We had miracles happen so that we could serve everyone well. But some of you don't know that when we opened registration, we opened 2,000 spots for people to register and every single spot was filled in 20 minutes. And we can say, whoa, that's incredible. That's not the way I see it. The way I see it is we gotta make more room. This need is too great. And so I'm praying and believing and working and asking God and trying to figure out now, God, who are you going to bring alongside of us? What businesses are you going to connect us with that, that could sponsor not just at $5,000, but at $50,000 so we could buy a whole lot more toys? God, are you going to connect us with somebody in some place that could invest six figures into Christmas Palooza to enable us to take 2,000 kids and turn it into 4,000 kids, turn it into 5,000 kids? Because the need is great. We just need some workers up in here. And so this year, whether it's with parties and movie nights and that palooza and other paloozas we working on, we working on making more room to serve more people because the need is great. Can I tell you about another great need? It's something we're calling beautiful Berclair. You know, Berclair is the neighborhood that God has placed us and planted us in. To lean back to the truth of Genesis chapter 2, which I've already referred to many times in this sermon. It's the place he's put us in to work and watch over. And at the end of last year, God graced us with an incredible opportunity to be the community housing development organization for this neighborhood. And this year, we want to take that responsibility, not just with the privileges that come with that, with our work in Yellow House but also with the responsibility to look out and care for everyone in the neighborhood. And so beginning in May, on the first Saturday of each month, we are going to begin to systematically work through every single street that we represent. We want to, multiple times a year, send people up and down the streets, cleaning up trash, helping people that may have projects around their the outside of their houses that need some repair, need a little help. Hey, could you move this? Hey, we need this cut down and try to step in and help out as best we can. Lots and in spots that have been forgotten or overlooked and trash has piled up. We're going to clean that out. We want this neighborhood 
to be the greatest neighborhood in our city. To be a neighborhood people want to move into, not just because they found affordable housing, but because you wouldn't believe how blessed we are to live here. It ain't because the city does everything we want them to do, but there are some people who work and watch over where we are. And so every single month, we're gonna create time and space to make beautiful Berkeley, to make sure it is a place where people live, they take pride in. A place where people live, and they feel valuable living here. And so starting in May, that opportunity will begin. The last thing I want to share with you today is that we're working on Yellow House fundraising. Yellow House fundraising. Yellow House is a separate nonprofit from our church that we started with the aim of providing quality, affordable housing for single moms. And in the last half of last year, We've had so many doors open, so many partnerships be formed, so much opportunity and resource and connection be lined up. We have the people, we have the influence, we have the opportunity. Now we are working aggressively to raise money. Because I don't know if you've ever tried to buy a house, but houses be expensive and we work it. In fact, we have a goal this year with Yellow House. We're working to raise a million dollars in cash that will all go to buy and renovate, create, quality, affordable housing for single moms. Because of our connections, because of opportunities that have been given to us, that million dollars will be turned into more than $2 million of impact and resource to create these homes for families. We know that we can do in excess of 20 homes if we raise that amount of money this year. But that's a lot of money. So what are we doing? I'll tell you what we're doing. Right now, in just a few weeks, we have already submitted more than a half a million dollars worth of grants that are in people's hands, on the table, asking for us to be the beneficiary of the work that they're doing, of the money that they're doing. So you can pray right now for that. Say, pray, God bless Yellow House. God, when they're looking through these applications, I know there's a bunch of worthy causes, but God let Yellow House rise up to the front. Let them be moved by the mission of Yellow House. Come on. Like, this is how we change the game. We got a lot of work to do. Now, some of you hear all this and you say, oh, this sounds like a lot. It is. And we need you. So today, I want to ask you to just do one thing. If you're interested in being a part of the work, would you join our outreach team? Our outreach team is very large. It's great. But we need more. We don't just need the same people doing more, although that's going to happen some. We need more people doing something. Some of you, today is the day where the Spirit of God is moving on your heart as you maybe heard about opportunities to serve. You heard about blessing our community. You heard about Yellow. Can I tell you the simple thing you can do? Join our outreach team. In the next several weeks, we're going to have opportunities that mainly will be communicated through that outreach team. where We are building core teams, leadership teams for each of these endeavors who will spearhead and run point with each of these opportunities as they come. Because they're starting over the next several months. Joining our outreach team is the primary way to get it for us. So do that right now. You can do that on our website. You can do it through the yellow card. Just say, I want to join the yellow, or I want to join the outreach team. I don't want you to forget. Don't forget to do good. Don't forget to share with others. God doesn't want you to forget. 
The sacrifice like that pleases God. But I want to close by helping you to see what will be. Maybe just by faith. You can keep your eyes open or you can close them if you need to. But could you imagine for a minute if we looked up in a few months and close to 2,500 people a month are being fed through us? It's amazing. That's amazing. 2,500 people in our neighborhoods having food. Their grocery bill went down. They, 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 they now know at least where they can get some food. Wow. If we look up and folks who'd always been overlooked, who felt forgotten because of an injury, felt forgotten because of the commitment they made to care for a loved one, felt forgotten because when their, when their car played out, they had no other way of, of getting around and now they've, they've, they've just been, they've been stuck and now they don't feel overlooked because somebody comes by uh, their house and delivers groceries to them to make sure they're cared for, they're not forgotten and they start to feel that and sense that for the very first time. What if we looked up and there's new pride in our neighborhood because there's work happening consistently and, and, and blight has been addressed and there's movement happening and things that used to be allowed are not allowed anymore because people are walking and touching and fixing and repairing and blessing the streets of our neighborhood. What if we look up and there are multiple houses in the process of being prepared as quality affordable housing for single moms? What if, man, I don't even know if it's a what if. I think it's a get ready. But there is one, one, one what if that I want to leave you with today. What if we look up and all this is happening? Grocery pickups are blessing so many people in our neighborhoods. Our, our neighborhood is getting, is getting beautified and clean. Houses are, are, are being built. Uh, resources to bless and have fun and create opportunities for families are increasing. God's church, what, what if all this is happening? And we don't know why we're doing it. Well, next week, I'm gonna make sure that you know exactly why we do this. And so my prayer today is yes, that you would sign up and join our outreach team. That you would be a part of the mission of God, the work he's called us to here now. And that you would be back next week to catch the heart of God so that in all of our efforts, you never forget why. Father, I thank you today for your word. I pray for your continued grace and blessing and help on the work you've called us to. We don't step into this work because we came up with good ideas. We step into this work because you burdened our heart to do it. And so Father, we, we are just asking for your presence and your grace as we take the next step. Father, I pray you move on the heart of your people to step up and to step in. For those that aren't serving, to start serving. For those that aren't giving, to start giving. For those that aren't consistent, to be consistent. For those who haven't cared, to start caring. 
for those who do care, to care on a greater level. They thought they couldn't care anymore, but Father, I pray you unlock new recesses of their heart to care on an even deeper and greater way for your honor, for your glory, and the good of people around us. And Father, I pray you bring us back together on next week to be inspired, challenged, and changed for why we do all this. We love you. Pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.